This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor and subscribe to the John Kahn Report wherever you get your podcast. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube at Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. It would be much appreciated. Today, I'm joined by the voice of the Washington Commanders, Bram Weinstein, as we answer a lot of your questions with an extended mailbag session. I chose the topics I got asked about the most, since there were some that kept coming up. So we discussed linebacker Jamin Davis, some depth concerns and expectations for the season, and much more. You can follow Bram on Twitter at RealBramW, and you can read my work, of course, on ESPN.com, but I think you know that by now. By the way, we get asked, we got asked a couple times about training camp and joint practices. Didn't answer it there. Nothing is official yet, and it could change. But as of right this minute, I would anticipate camp being in Ashburn with no joint practices. Again, nothing is official. I'm a fan of the joint workouts. And I've even had discussions with some higher-ups over there about their value. I even told someone in the offseason and kind of asked them, if you're not going to play your starters much in the preseason and it takes a couple weeks to get a feel for some of the players, why not have a joint workout to get a feel for them that way? I also know that things have to work out. And while, while there may be a desire to have one, it does have to work for both teams. And I think the one team that would have made sense with Carolina, because they play them in the preseason opener. But I'm, so I'm not sure what's going on there. Again, this is as of right now, it could change. Um, but, you know, could be logistical issues, lack of desire by, by one of the teams, whatever. And I also want to apologize to Troy Dodd, because we, we answered one of his mailbag questions. But as you'll see when I get to it, I had accidentally deleted his name on my notes. So it was from Troy Dodd. There you go. I got your name twice. One more time. Troy Dodd with the question um, about what we're looking forward to seeing most from Carson Wentz. We get to it in there as well. Anyway, that's it from me. Let's get to the mailbag session with the voice of the Washington Commanders, Bram Weinstein. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Graham, we got a heavy mailbag today, so we got to get to it. Um, For people listening, our rates have not changed. We're not raising the rates on this. It's still free. So, you know, you're getting, you're going to get what you pay for. But I want to get to as many questions as we can. And there are a lot of topics that people want to get to. So I'm going to start with this. And this kind of goes back to something we talked about last year. This is um, first question from Earl Bruce on YouTube. And I'm not answering Earl Bruce's questions because he has the same name as a former Ohio State coach. 
but he asked, he asked it on YouTube, and it is, the commanders have four games against teams coming off mini buys, weeks 10, 13, 16, and 18. Is that a competitive disadvantage? Yes, uh, it is. Of course it is. It was pronounced last year when they right. played the Raiders on the West Coast after they had played on Thanksgiving, then played Dallas um, after they had played a second straight Thursday and had 10 days off. Then they played the Eagles who were off a bye. And then, of course, the COVID stuff kind of delayed all that stuff. And I remember pointing that out last year going, this that's is why I asked it. That's why I put this yeah, on. That it was ridiculous that it happened. Um, I pointed it out on Twitter and I was told by the team, they were like, they were ticked off about it. I think with all of the different machinations of the schedule now with games on Thursdays and Saturdays and Mondays, and it's going to get worse when they do double headers with Monday night, sounds like in a year or so that I think it's kind of unavoidable. There are some moments like it is a massive advantage that Washington's going to have a bye week between the two Giants games and the Giants aren't. And that's the only team that they're going to play. So they're going to get a massive advantage there. Um, there are a couple of other moments early in the season where they have a little bit more rest than the other team they're going to play. So it feels a little more evened out, but I, I agree that I don't like it at the end of a year where right. nobody should have, if you can avoid it as much of an advantage, even if it is just a few days. And even last year though, with the Raiders, they did go out and get the W they won. Right. So, so, and right. And I, also, won. I mean, I, think the, I, I agree, but in like, other words, the point it's not, is like it's the competition not, committee needs to do something about this, right? But it's, it's not insurmountable with, right. with all it's, these teams playing on all these different days. It's impossible not to have these types of like scheduling correct. conflicts that makes it look like someone's getting screwed on the other side. And, and I do agree. It's, it's a disadvantage. You, you can win despite it. And I also think like the bigger reasons down the stretch that they lost were injuries, COVID, yeah. But they did have like there were a lot of scheduling um, issues last year. You know, I think there was the Monday night game followed by wet, going out west or whatever. You know, yeah, a couple of things like that where it was just not conducive to. It makes it harder on a team, and um, so especially like you said, late in the year, you would like to have a little bit extra rest in between games. Yeah, I agree. But largely too, I look at their schedule. There's no massive like road trip month. Everything is back to back home away, home away. Most of the games are Sundays, one o'clock. Like there's very little travel for them. There's only one West coast trip. Like, honestly, there's, there's a lot less to complain about this year than there was last year. Albeit I, I see your point and I agree with you. That shouldn't be happening, especially what feels like regularly at the end of the season. Right. Yeah. And so there we go. All right. Now from Mike at Mike RNFN. All right. The Rams go for it. No, they don't. Washington likes James Bradbury and there is a need, but they, mo- but most likely it's not going to happen because of money slash cap. They could make it work if they wanted to. Is this about cap frugality or a lack of belief in this year's team or whence? Who was he discussing going after? James Bradbury. James Bradbury. How does he help Wentz? What is what? What's well, the, I think I think the point the is there? Yeah. I think I think that his point is, or the question is, you know, the Rams would go after a guy like Bradbury, which you right. know, whereas these guys aren't, and even though they have the money, the Rams do all these moves, and you know, blah blah blah. So, is this does this suggest that they don't want to pay him because they don't believe in this year's team, or they don't believe in Wentz, and so therefore, no. I don't think it has anything to do with that. I don't think it has anything to do with Wentz or belief in this year's team. Correct. I, I, I want to hear what you have to say about this. When I look at the Rams, first of all, I went up and back and looked at some numbers. And the reason here's why they can make it work. Matthew Stafford counts 13.5 million against the cap this year. 13.5 for a quarterback of his caliber. 
he counts 20 million against the cap. Um, and then in a couple of years, he goes up to 49 and a half. That's why you can do some of these moves because you've structured that contract in a way that there's a couple big money years at the end. So now in, in three years, they have 27 players signed, $54 million available on that cap in three years. That's not a lot of money for to fill out that roster. By comparison, in 2024, Washington, Washington has 34 players under contract and $111 million under the cap. Now, which position would you rather be in because the Rams are Super Bowl contenders? I think part of what the Rams have, too, is not just their ability to be aggressive, but they have the players like they started doing this last year. And the whole reasoning was they knew they were in a position where they could win now. Look at that defense, Aaron Donald, the best player at his position. Jalen Ramsey, best player at his position. Um, so you have and you know, Cooper Cup, one of the top players at his position. Now you have Matthew Stafford. So you have that ability to go make these moves now. Uh, but I think it also starts with being flexible with the cap um, and, and perhaps, too, then some frugality because the Rams are flushed with some new stadium money and this team is not. So when, you know, I, I don't, I wonder if that plays a part of it too. I don't think it suggests anything about belief in what they can do, but I also think like when you're this team, the Rams have taken care of some of their big name guys. This team still has to do that. So if you go out and get James Bradbury, how does that affect your ability to extend it to Terry McLaurin and Deron Payne and Cole Holcomb, a guy that they would like to keep around. And then you have Antonio Gibson coming up in another year as well. So I think, and I think all that plays a part in it. Um, my whole thing with Bradbury was I know that they would have interest in him if the number was lower. Um, so anyway, what do you think? So I think this is a larger question about modern roster building and yeah. comfort level with it. Um, and I think what we've seen here, it's not that Washington is unwilling to go pay for some players. They did. So they tried to get Amari Cooper a couple of years ago. They did right. not happen. They ended up getting some deals on people like JD McKissick and Logan Thomas. Um, I think they would have paid Brandon Sheriff. He just didn't take their money. Uh, last year they did sign Curtis Samuel and more specifically William Jackson, the third to big money, free agent contract. That was a market value contract that they gave him. So they're not unwilling to do it, but what I think it was Earl who asked the question, like Mike. what they are unwilling to do and get out of their comfort level at this juncture is what the Rams saints and a couple other teams are doing that has paid off for them, specifically the Rams, which is they literally don't care about the ramifications in two or three years. They're going to kick this can down the road in the hopes of building a winner, which did happen, and they'll deal with it on the other side by either dumping really good players, restructuring contracts, kicking the can down the road. And Washington has not shown the desire to be that Correct. level of aggressive, right? Correct. They have not, they have not gone F them picks. They haven't done that yet. They haven't decided we're just going to get everybody. We're going to restructure people. We'll take dead money on Brandon cooks. That makes no sense to anybody else, but does to them. Correct. So I don't think that it's really about belief or non-belief in their roster. I think this is more about how do you look at the cap and how do you view building a roster within the constraints of the cap? 
And the Rams look at it one way, and this team doesn't. They're trying to build something that they feel is sustainable, looking two, three years down the road going, we know we're going to pay Chase Young. We know we're going to pay Sweat. We know we're going to about to pay McLaurin. These are our core guys. How do we fill out a roster around it? The Rams don't see it that way. They're like, get everybody now, and we'll deal with it in two years when we have a cap problem. And to your point, sounds like in two years, they're going to have money for half of a roster. And there's going to be a really bad cratering season for them. But that's how they've decided to do this. And Washington doesn't work this way right now. And you can argue whether that's the right or wrong way to do it. Right. And I think the last thing on this for me is, again, they have guys who would be considered the best at their position, who are the big money guys who have already gotten paid and they're producing. Too often here, it's the big money guys aren't producing at a certain level. They also got Allen Robinson, a receiver. He's 4.3 on the cap this year. It goes up to 18 million in year two. But when you're able to get those guys, and that's why, like, if they were able, you know, with Carson Wentz, if they could do something with his contract and lower his cap number this year, but then you're, but then you're going to spread it out more. Oh, I don't think you do it this year. See, I don't think you do it this year. This is, (laughs) this is the part of the Wentz deal that I don't think people talk about that actually could be extraordinarily beneficial for them in year two and three. assuming he ends up being the guy for them. Like here is a test out year where he's making 28 million against their cap. Well, the next two years where they do have him under contract, none of that money is guaranteed. And it's been painted in some way of, well, if it doesn't work out, they could then cut him. True. That's not what the, that's not what they're attempting to do here though. Right. The point is if this works, and this is the right guy for however long it's going to be, and they're going to build with him, which is, which is the intention they actually can restructure the last two years of his deal and get his number way down from what it is and make room to add. This is a big year in terms of managing the cap, getting it set up, hopefully having a winning season. They're talking about that a lot, and we can get into the schedule if someone asked about it because I think it is totally set up for them with no excuses not to have a winning record this year. And then after this season – they can, if Wentz turns out to be the right guy, restructure his contract, get a lot of cap room back, and off to the races and do some of the things that we're talking about now. Chase down the James Bradberries or whoever it may be that hit the open market. Right. And I think right now, I think they, every time I talk to them about contracts, it is always like, we're trying to get all these guys signed. And if you go out and get James Bradbury, how much is it going to improve your team versus What's it going to impact as far as the player negotiations? Because it's not just Terry McLaurin. I mean, they would like to try to keep Deron Payne. And again, Cole Holcomb, Antonio Gibson, other guys, if they have to do something with Wentz down the road, you know, there are other, you know, sweat young coming up. So I think they're cognizant of a lot of things in building. The Rams have already built that strong core. So they know what those guys are going to cost. And it makes it a little bit easier than to go out, I think, and be aggressive. And again, sometimes it could be when you're spending money like that, it means you have cash on hand as well. And it could just be they have, they're more flush with cash. That might be part of it. But I do think it goes into some of the roster building like you talked about. So next one. And I apologize. I, I accidentally deleted his name when I, was, when I went to cut and paste this. But the question is, so whoever it is, and I'll give you a shout out in the intro when after I tape it. We'll call him Michael Phillips from Virginia. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll just put source. Yeah. What are you looking forward to most with this new offense regarding Wentz and his new weapons? Ooh, um, that's a really good open question, actually, because I I, I haven't seen them practice yet. So um, that is that. 
and Jamin Davis and a couple of others, are, I think, are the premier storylines of how's it going to play out. And not unlike last year, I think we were when Curtis Samuel was brought in before all the injuries started happening. I think there was this kind of feeling of they're going to be a lot more versatile. They're going to throw the ball more downfield. This also before Fitzpatrick got hurt. Um, so there was a lot of ideas of what it was going to look like. Um, for me, it's hard to know. Um, there are a couple of, and I wouldn't call them under the radar, but I think really necessary things that happened, like the drafting of Brian Robinson Jr., that is going to, I think, afford them the opportunity, one, to spell Gibson as a lead back, but also put him in the position I know they wanted to last year, which is not just as a primary running back, but as a receiver, as a matchup problem. Um, I still, We still don't know what Samuel's role is going to look like, how they're going to utilize him. Um, and with Dotson across from McLaurin, it appears as if they should have the makings with a new quarterback who can throw the ball down the field like he can that they should have a deep passing game that they were talking about. So the reality is I don't know. And I'll be interested to see what practice looks like, you know, this, this summer, assuming that Samuel's healthy and there and assuming that McLaurin is signed and there and happy. Like I'm very, very, very intrigued to see, I think an open question and they don't believe this is the case, but I do. And I want to see it to believe it is does this revamped offensive line, does it offer them the protection opportunities right, right. to do the type of things that. That, that we all think they can do? And I think that that is one of the big storylines here. They brought in a couple of old veterans to fill in spots that were reliable starters for them. The interior offensive line to me is a massive question mark until proven otherwise. Right. And we'll get into that in a few minutes. <clears throat> for me, what I'm looking more forward to most is maybe a little to see the creativity and the diversity of sets because you could not throw out a four receiver set last year or previous year with four guys who I thought could hurt a defense. You should be able to do that this year if Dotson plays well. And I don't even care if that fourth receiver is Cam Sims or De'Ami Brown. I think you have that fourth guy in that set if Samuel's healthy and if Dotson is what we think he is and McLaurin, that's a pretty good group right there to throw out. Then you also can throw you can put Chris in the backfield and you can put Logan Thomas out there with that group as well. That's what, you know, so how are they going to use their personnel? How are they going to use Curtis Samuel? But I think, you know, um, and, and just the diversity of routes and dots and, and how much we, I'm assuming he's going to be allowed inside. Are they able to attack all areas of the field, which they couldn't do last no, year? Not, and you know, that's, they, they have such a massive amount of speed now. Um, I think, you know, there's, it's going to be interesting to see how they use it. Right. Um, Gibson for his position, um, is really fast, yeah. really fast, you know? So I want to see how they utilize him. We know what McKissick also trimmed been down, for I understand. Yeah. I think that, you know, this is like, I'd say if they're, they're, you know, the track meet duo is the one in Miami now Hill and Waddle. I mean, that that's the track meet duo. Washington has what I would think hopefully will manifest itself as one of the fastest set of receivers Correct. with Samuel McLaurin Dotson specifically, and then what should be matchup nightmare with potentially Gibson McKissick or Thomas when he comes back, right. they should be versatile underneath. They should have an opportunity to get some really good playmakers like Gibson space, as opposed to what he's had in the last couple of years and their downfield passing game should emerge this year should emerge that said new offensive line new parts new quarterback let's try to be patient here and right. not it's not going to be the chiefs yeah. you know it's overnight. not going to go like that and yeah. i think the other thing the last thing i'll say with it the other thing i'm looking for is 
do they get away from like, do you just try to be creative or are you going to try to, to really, I guess, win games and just, you, do you want to show how creative you can be or just and win? And like, I say that because you did draft Ryan Robinson for a reason. You want to have that strong run game. Cause I know that they felt like that. That's clearly what powered them during that four game winning streak. And I think you can't get away from that either. So how are you going to incorporate that into all the other stuff that you have? And a I think bit so was, that, a little bit too was, and I think you'll, you know, this, like, I think they became that because they couldn't be the offense that they correct. Be. And I agree with so, that. And they adjusted, you know, they, they're like, this is actually what we're good at. This is our path to victory. They ground out some wins. They knew they couldn't throw the ball downfield. Like they weren't capable of doing it. So this is what's different. A long this time year. To figure that out. Robinson should fill one. He look, he's a primary short yardage back Two. I'd love to see them play with leads for once. And if they do, they now have the type of running back, you know, that I think could eat time, kill clock, give Gibson a break so that when we get around to the fourth quarter and you want to go back to potentially you're in a tight game, you want to go back to your best playmakers. They're not spent. They're not overused. They're not dinged up. They're not hurt. You know, this is versatility. I think, you know, like, I, I went off on this a lot last year that like, not that I think Peyton Barber would have been a massive difference maker for them, they but needed they like needed him. him. They mm-hmm. needed him. And now they've, they've recognized it and they got a guy that hopefully will be the person they can rely on to deal with a lot of the dirty work that no one was there to help them with last year. Correct. And so, you know, and I, my thing last year, they took them a little bit too long to get to that point. Cause I felt like the year was obvious. They weren't going to be able to play the certain way. That's why I say like, you do still have to stay with a bread and butter type approach and not to sound like our guy, Chris Russell and just go run, 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 but you can't, you can't just try to go out there and play with your new toys. You do have something that can power you as well. So don't get away from that. But I also am curious to see how they creatively use these guys and use like you know, McKissick and Gibson together, or do you use Robinson and McKissick Robinson and, and Gibson? I don't know. Cause you can be creative with Gibson. Anyway, so let's go to the next one. Um, Tim Meek, this should be a quick one. This is for you, Bram. Will there be any road rallies this year? Tim goes to all these things. That's why I'm answering this here. And then the other one was, when will we have a better idea of how recovery is going for Chase and Logan with the date expected to practice? The last one, I don't think we're going to get those dates anytime soon. Logan had that ACL in early December. I would be like, we'll really find out more like, you get more of a concrete or maybe not even concrete, more firmer date with Logan before training camp. Like when you have to go through their physicals, where is he at at that time? Everything with Chase I've heard is that they would say, oh, he seems like he's ahead of schedule. But we'll see when we get to camp and is, does he go on pup or is he able to practice? That's when you'll get a more firm idea of, of what they're expecting. But also like next week, that some of those questions will come up when Ron Rivera talks to the media and you go from there. But I think the firmer date will come probably more so before training camp, especially with Logan, because it was, it's not like it, it's a long, that's a, it's, it would be nine months from then to the, what, to September. That's tough. So Chase has more of a chance, but we'll find a little bit more um, the next couple of weeks. And then again, the more firmer date would probably come right before training camp. Uh, with Chase, I don't know. So I can't answer that question. I got to wait and hear from the coaching staff to hear what's going on there. With and like Logan, I said, the last I heard was they would say ahead of schedule, but what yeah, does that yeah. mean? And you know, that so right. and ahead of schedule know. one week could be behind in two weeks. I mean, I saw Logan Thomas at the draft party at FedEx field and he told me being ready for the start of training camp seems unlikely. 
So that means he's aiming to be ready by week one. But if you're not practicing, you know, throughout the summer, it's unlikely. So, um, and even Ron Rivera, I think uh, kind of offhanded said something when you guys asked him about it, where he said, we'll get him back at some point during the year, which is acknowledging we don't think he's going to be ready at the beginning of the season, which will be interesting to see how they handle that position while they bridge to get to him, you know, by whenever it is week four, week six, week eight, whatever it may be. Um, is that John Bates? Is that Reyes somehow? Is this this draft pick? Like, are they going to go get a veteran to try to bridge that? Go get a veteran tight end to try to get in here to bridge that gap? So we'll see how they kind of handle it early in the season. And as far as road rallies, I don't know of any yet. I'm always open to invitations. So, you know, DM me. They're always open. I'm happy to come, <laughs> happy to come meet you. I don't have much, you know, I, I figure my trip to Indianapolis will involve going to St. Elmo and getting that crazy spicy shrimp cocktail. Outside of that, I'm, um, I'm, I'm free. So let me know. <laughs> There you go. All right. We only we have about we'll get a few more in here at DMV underscore CE. What's the plan with Jamin? Are they really going to give up on him at inside linebacker after one year? To me, that's more of an indictment on the front office than it is on Jamin. So I'll start with this one. The plan with him is to play him outside. And um, so are they giving up on the inside linebacker? Well, they gave up on that early last year. And I will say, and after the draft, I talked to some people who I trust, who are very smart, knowledgeable football people who did not think he could play inside linebacker because they felt like it would be too much for him to handle after not having a great deal of starting experience at Kentucky. They felt he was really good outside. Is it an indictment on them? Well, they took a chance with him, but I think what they knew with him, it's kind of like when they drafted Brandon Sheriff, they rolled the dice and felt like, could he play tackle? Well, you found out right away in training camp that he couldn't. So they put him at guard and he had an all pro guard. With Jamin, the same thought was behind that. If he can't play inside, you know that you can ha- you, that he can help you outside. At least their belief and belief of other teams as well that he could help you outside. So I don't feel like it's an indictment on the front office. It's an indictment if he doesn't work out outside as well. But if he can't play inside, he was an you know people felt he could you know again I talked to other people who felt he could, but people I trust didn't think he could. But they did feel he could play outside. So, you know, drafting him at 19 and taking a chance there, now, I don't think that's a big deal. And I've talked to some people who think that maybe he could develop into that down the road. Um, so the plan is to play him outside. And last thing on this, because I've gotten other questions about line, inside linebacker. They're going to try and sign a guy. But you, people have to keep in mind, like, they, they played three, down, three linebackers on the field at the same time on only 65 snaps last year, all of last year. So you need what they need is a veteran presence, a guy who knows how to play the middle, can almost serve as an extension of the coach on the field. And just because I think with Jamin, I think Cole has progressed pretty well. But with Jamin, he needs a guy next to him that can say, this is your responsibility here. So, you know, this, this guy goes motion, Jamin, you got, you got B-get, B-get, whatever. That's what they need. So that's what he needs because you saw him hesitating a bit too much last year at various times. And when he gets that and he can just go play and go, it's better. So if Cole can progress to that point where he can be that guy, I don't know. But he, I did think Cole progressed, but we'll see. Anyway, go. Uh, I would say on Jamin, the indictment on his selection will only come if for some reason he's not on the field, short of injury, obviously. Right. So like, there, the answer here is him to play. The question is where. Um, he's too good of an athlete. So that's on the coaching now to figure this out. And I'm with you. I don't know where he plays exactly. And that's going to be one of the interesting developing storylines. He's got to step up. Because 
he sh- well, he shouldn't be sitting on the sideline. He's too talented. So they've got to figure out a role for him. I know why they liked him, and I know why they picked him where they picked him. Go watch him on film at Kentucky. He runs off the screen, and then we saw it early. Like, when I get worried about did they have a miss and, and you go down the road of, like, calling somebody, like, a total miss for them. Like, when I get worried is he didn't fit the role and athletically isn't superior to the other players, and therefore there's going to be a problem here. The other side, like the second part of that with Jamin Davis is not the problem. He could be outside of Chase Young or maybe Sweat might be the best athlete they have on their team on the defensive side of the ball. Therefore, he's got to find a place on the field. And I trust that the coaches are going to find a place for him on the field. I just don't know where that is. And I think it's an interesting developing storyline that we'll have to see play out in training camp. He's got to step up because he's a, if he doesn't step up, that's the indictment. And he has to play a lot better for all the year two guys. All right. Um, Johannes Schneider wants to know, do you guys think the team has enough quality depth this year to overcome injuries, especially at O-line, linebacker, and secondary? I think the strength of the O-line probably is still the depth. I'm a little bit more concerned how, how deep is the quality of the starting group. Correct. Um, but I think there's depth. Linebacker and secondary, I think there are depth concerns at both areas. And I, no think, doubt. I think some of that will be addressed I think, moving forward. Some of that will depend on how does Percy Butler look in the spring and what could they feel he can handle um, because you can still go get guys for both spots. But I definitely think they need linebacker depth because if something happens to Cole Holcomb, they're in trouble. Yeah, I think um, depth is an issue. Uh, they were extremely deep on the offensive and defensive line a year ago. They're not on either one of them. You know, maybe they have depth on the offensive line, but I'm with you. The starting unit isn't um, as, at least on paper, as strong as it was, clearly without Sheriff or Flowers. So um, so we'll have to see how that plays out. Um, I do believe they're going to sign another linebacker. I do believe they're going to sign another safety. Honestly, I think if they can get Landon Collins to come back, I think they would do that in a heartbeat. I think if they are going to sign another one. I think you're asking a lot to ask a mid-round draft pick to play a pivotal role for you right off the bat and assume that it's going to be fine. So I don't think they're going to do that. He may get a shot at that type of role, uh, but I don't believe that that they're done there. So safety linebacker, two spots I expect them to address in this third wave of free agency. And I'm with the you know original, like, you know, one of the first questions we had, I'd go sign Bradbury too if we could get him. I think he'd be a help for them. But there are cap concerns with that. If he's a deal, I think they'd sign him tomorrow. But because he's probably going to get, you know, relative high-tier corner money from somebody, um, that kind of takes them out of the running to try to get him. Right. And, you know, would give them another zone corner. The problem for me with him is you have William Jackson, who's better in man, and Bradbury better in zone. What do you do? So it's, you know, but anyways, but I would take him too if if they could. I think this will probably be the last one here. Um, and I'm answering this one from Rick RDHX because I was kind of a smart aleck to him on Twitter. He said, what has to happen for the commanders to get to 12 plus wins this year? Huh. My initial response was they have to score more points than the other team 12 times. So that snide comment aside. So and this kind of incorporates other questions. To me, to get there, first of all, you're going to need a few breaks along the way. Somebody in your division, Dallas, is going to take a step back, whether because injuries or whatever. The defense has to play a lot better. That means Chase Young has to have – a Pro Bowl caliber season. Montez Sweat has to be close to that. That group has to really produce. The linebackers stay healthy and Cole Holcomb ascends. The secondary stays relatively healthy. The one encouraging thing for the secondary is, and Jack Del Rio talked about this on um, the, the commander's website with Julie Donaldson, but all these guys are in camp this year in OTAs. 
they didn't they they suffered with their communication early in the year because they weren't all together in the OTAs when they were installing everything. So yeah. that's why it's important to be at these things. And these guys are there now. Does that give them an advantage early on? But the defense has to play at a high level to get there. And offensively, Carson Wentz has to have a, a really good year. Guys, you know, I don't is he capable of that kind of a year? Will the line protect him in, um, enough to do that? He had a great line in Indy. And will he, he doesn't, I don't think this line is the same as Indies. So will he get that kind of time and, and be protected like that? But mostly you're going to need breaks. I look at this team as, you know, a ceiling, you know, I don't know about ceiling, but I look at them as a 10 win team right now, maybe getting to 11 with a few breaks. 12 suggests you've taken a really big step. I don't know if they're ready for that just yet. Yeah. I, I think 12 is a big number. So th- I have a hard time with the number 12 because most teams don't get to that. Um, right. But I I, I'm with you. I actually, I think the bar here is, especially after the schedule came out, that I think they should have a winning record and maybe get to 10 and dependent on what happens with Dallas this year, because they, I'm not really totally sure what their strategy is. I think they've opened the door for Washington and Philadelphia to take a run at them for the division. And Washington's schedule is set up early where it appears as if there are weaker opponents for them, Jacksonville, Detroit, then they get Philadelphia here. They've got a shot at a really good start, which they have not had in these first couple of years. So I think that's important. Right. Um, the second thing that I think will be extremely important is not only does Wentz perform athletically for them, but you know, hopefully he gets his his confidence back. You know, I, I can only imagine that the last 24 months for him have kind of shaken him and his confidence. And I think messaging-wise, this team's gone out of its way to say over and over, you're our guy, we're behind you, we believe in you, we want you here, you're not just here for a year, we want, we're not test-running you, we want you to be the quarterback for us, and we know what you're capable of. And if, we can, if they can kind of get that around and make that, you know, for him, comfortable, and he starts playing like he did four or five years ago, you know, that combined with the defensive line playing up to their capability like they did their first year and not last year in the first half of the season, I think adds up to a winning season. Correct. 12 feels like a lot. I wouldn't 12 feels like a lot for this one. group. Yeah. I think they're a year away from being in that group. 10, 11, I, 10, I can see. 11, I'm thinking, ah, maybe if. 12 to me would be a lot right now. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, the next one is from at Dalton Cosmos. Do you think Ron actually believes this team is ready to take the next step, or is he just going along with his own expectations for the third year of the rebuild? Ooh, that's a good question. It's a good question. That's a good question. Um, I'll be interested to see how he frames this. He's been very – he's been – 
he's been very purposeful in his messaging in general. Um, you remember last year he was trying to temper expectations almost to the point of being like, wait a minute, should we not expect to win? You know, it was like kind of that type of added, that kind of feel to it. After training um, this camp, year, it was felt at the end of training camp, it felt different going into that season. Yeah. I, he was, and some of it was, I don't know, maybe he was looking at the schedule going Buffalo, Green Bay, Herbert, Kansas City, New Orleans. Like, this is going to be a rough road, you know, like especially early in the season. And it did play out that way. Um, I'll be considering this is two years in a row that he's kind of talked about swatches of the schedule. And most coaches don't do that. I'll be interesting to hear what he says about Jacksonville, Detroit, and then a section where you've got like Houston, Atlanta, and others that don't look like these are playoff teams that they're playing this year, back to back with the Giants, stuff like that. So I'll be interested to see how he kind of frames it. But um, he has, and we've talked about this, but I find it really interesting that he talks about it because I don't feel like he's on a hot seat at all. I wouldn't even call it a warm seat, but he no. describes the situation as if traditionally third year, I know I'm supposed to win. And therefore I'm going to tell you that, that it's time for us to up our game. And, you know, by doing that and then seeing the schedule, it's not that we didn't know who they were playing, but the way it laid out, it read to me like, yeah, you kind of better have a over 500 record this year right. and hopefully find yourself in the playoffs one way or another, either winning the division or being a wild card team in a weak conference. And I think the bar is set there. So I'll be interested to hear how he frames it once we go into training camp. But my expectation is he's going to stay consistent and say, we need to do better. We should be over 500. Well, listen, and I would say this eight, and nine, isn't cutting it with this team, the way the schedule is set up either. And unless there's like massive injuries and there's a strong run at the end of the year where like, how did they do that? Short of that, eight and nine isn't cutting it to me, but it doesn't, you know, it just puts them on the warm seat, the warm slash hot seat for the following year, not this, not the end of this year. Um, I do think he thinks that they're ready to take another step, whether it's that next step, what is that definite, what's the definition of that next step? Is it NFC East title contender or NFC title contender? They're not at that point yet. Um, but to take that next step, which should be playoff team, go win a playoff game. To me, that's the next step. And I do think that he looks at this team. And I think that in conversations that they look at and say, they've played more than a few young guys the last couple of years. This is the year where they should start to mature. If you're building it right. And I had, um, who did I have on earlier? Oh, Joe Banner, former NFL executive. And he talked about that. He doesn't necessarily like what Jacksonville's doing because he said they're setting themselves up to have a better first year, but maybe not a better second and third and fourth year. Yeah. Whereas the way this team has been built, the third year should be the year. This is what they've been building towards. So I think there's some of that, the thing, you know, some of that felt like, hey, it's a third year, so we should be better. But the other part does feel like they they feel like they've if Curtis Samuel's healthy, Carson Wentz is an upgrade, however good he is, he's an upgrade here. Antonio Gibson showed a lot at the end of the year. Now you got another running back there. Um, Chase Young, if he can get back to what he was, right, um, then there's no reason they shouldn't get to nine or ten wins. So I think there's some legitimate belief in that and some also thinking that, hey, this is the way it's supposed to go. If we're doing our job, this is the year where it shows. Go go look at Dallas's schedule early. I think it's Tampa Bay and – Kansas City or someone like that. It's like it's it's crazy hard schedule to start the year, and then then Washington plays them in week four. 
Um, if Washington can get off to a three and one or, or even four and no start, and don't laugh at that, like that's very possible considering who the first two opponents are and then Philadelphia at home, the idea that they wouldn't potentially be three and oh is, I don't know. I mean, why wouldn't they be? So if that happens and they can get off to a really good start and have Philadelphia and Dallas chasing them. Um, I don't think it's out of the realm to think that they can win the division this year. Like, yeah, I, I really would... don't know what Dallas is doing. It feels like they're resetting a little bit when, when we were talking earlier about what the Rams are doing, their situation screamed, run it back, go get more people, go all in. You know, you have an opportunity literally right now. Why are you trying to manage a cap for the next three years when this is the time, and Jerry Jones at 79 years old, go all in. They didn't do that. They gave away Amari Cooper, which looks crazy right now, considering what the market has been for other receivers that have been traded around the league. Um, they still have an issue at running back. They haven't done anything with Zeke. They got rid of their right tackle. I know they drafted one, but that's an interesting decision just to make. You know, um, Randy Greggy got away from them. Uh, is their defense going to be as good as it was a year ago? I don't really know. Like they've seemingly opened the door for Washington and Philadelphia in a way that felt really unnecessary. And the way their schedule is set up early and the way ours is scheduled early feels like they could have a two game lead on them after the first month. And then they're playing catch up. And then all of a sudden things get real interesting in December. Yeah. And it could be, listen, Philly's going to be an interesting team to watch in all this because they clearly played well last year. Does Jalen Hurts take another step as a passer? They've fortified some of that passing game for him. And how does their defense respond after last year? Because I felt like they were a little bit like – I think we discussed this last year. They are a little bit like Washington was the previous year defensively where they, they played well defensively, but they also benefited from a schedule with really bad quarterbacks for about seven games. Yeah, Their last seven or eight games, it's like you look at the quarterbacks, it was not a who's who. And so you always benefit from that, every defense – this year, is it, how, how are they going to respond to that? But does how big a step back do they take with that? Do they take one at all? So I like what they've done the last couple of years, but Jalen Hurts has to progress. Otherwise, then, you know, I think they're kind of limited um, as to what they can do. Can you really run win running the ball like that two year, a couple of years in a row? I don't know, but they're going to be an interesting team to watch in all of this. Um, and so that kind of leads into another question, this one from YouTube. And it's from the user MK Newland 67. What's it going to take to break the curse? The last 25, 30 years have just seemed cursed. Does this team have a legitimate shot to win a playoff game? Will the ends play their position and get sacks when the opportunity arises? Will they just keep pinning their ears back, trying to get quarterback, ignoring assignments? When will we get a true middle linebacker? So there's a lot to unwrap there. So I'll go true middle linebacker. We've already kind of discussed that. Um, even if you get a true middle linebacker, this is not – 10 years ago where they're going to play all the time. You've got to be a three down guy. They do need a veteran presence there for when they use that. And for when they use some two linebacker sets where you want one of those guys to be a strong run defender, like against Philadelphia. So you could use that guy. And I still think they'll go get one, but I don't think there's a guy that you say like, this guy is going to be a stud. Those studs are, you know, those kind of guys are already signed. So I don't know. You're going to get a veteran type guy who you say, oh, this is a smart player. You know, not the best. You maybe two down guy, fine. But again, sixty-five snaps last year with only with three down with three linebackers on the field. They need Davis to progress, period, and they need Cole Holcomb to show he can play inside. As far as breaking the curse, 
to me, this hasn't been a curse. It's been bad management and then poor quarterback play and not being able to find that quarterback. They'll break the curse if Carson Wentz plays well because it's all it comes down to that quarterback play. And I think if that happens, yes, they have a legitimate shot to win a playoff game. As far as the ends, I think that's a key. That's, that's also key. I think Montez Sweat, I don't think he – I think Chase Young sometimes, was he trying to play um, too much to get sacked sometimes? I think there were times where you can look at his assignment and say, yeah, maybe he's doing that. I don't think Montez Sweat is that same style, right? I think he and John Allen, they, you saw it in the Denver game, they started to work really well together. So I think they'll, I think that'll be okay. And then I think it's really on Chase Young to, to become that big play guy that they, that they drafted him to be and that he was at the end of his rookie year. So anyway, I think I could see that, but I think that's a key too. How do those ends play is a big key to this defense. I don't believe in curses. The Bengals were in the Great. Super Bowl last year. So, you know, <laughs> things can change really fast. It's bad fast. management. And, it's been bad management. They've, they've, uh, they've been mismanaged for a long time. Um, and even when they seem to be tracking in the right way, they've gotten in their own way. So this first time in a while that it feels like <clears throat> it's all kind of there for them to do the job. I mean, when we talked about earlier, like Rivera's kind of put himself on a warmish seat. On his own. No one else is doing it. He's kind of put it on his own. The reality is for the first time since I've been covering the team professionally, um, he's in charge independently. So I guess he should put himself on a warm seat then because no one else is doing it. Like he's allowed to make all the decisions that he's making. They, they are structured in the way that was promised. Um, it's top down approach. The owner's not getting in the way of personnel decisions. He's allowing them to make the decisions on their own behalf. He allowed him to hire his own front office people. He handpicked them. Um, so, you know, the setup for him, albeit with all the, you know, bad off the field headlines that have continued, you know, over the last couple of years, that said on the field, and I know he's been frustrated with, you know, that that seems to carry over to it on the field, though. The reality is he's been allowed to make the decisions to right. shape the team the way he wants to. Correct. So there's that's different from in the past. And yep. so I'm with you. I don't, there's no curse here. I think he recognizes he need a, he had a lot to do with the roster in the first couple of years. I thought they added a tremendous amount of depth from year one to year two. Yep. This year, I have some questions a little bit about that, but they are improved in terms of skill position for sure. There are clearly some holes left. So that's why I'm not saying Super Bowl, but... They look like specifically what their division, the makeup of it, um, what the conference looks like, their schedule laid out, and what should be a massive upgrade at the quarterback position, which has been the void for them. There is no excuse for them not to be an over 500 team short of a terrible rash of injuries that could be unforeseen. And I think he knows that. So um, there's no curse here. They need to perform. That's all, period quarterback good quarterback play helps overcome everything and they have to get that all right two two more kevin gishwen two scale two questions scale of one to ten your confidence and an extension for terry mclaurin second again talking about what's happening at linebacker should we just give up on improved middle linebacker play well again i'll answer first middle linebacker play it's going to come down to cole holcomb because if he's progressed then that's going to make a difference and i think the other thing too with him is 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 the play of Fedarian Mathis. Getting a guy up front who can help keep those linebackers clean is a big, big deal. And I think then for Cole, the other thing where he has to progress, I think, is in helping Jamin Davis, you know, help him progress as far as this happens, 
this is your assignment here. And then go make the, then for Cole still being able to not only process what he sees, relay it, and then go play instinctively. That's tough to do. And he struggled with that last year, got better at the end of the year. But I think that's where the improvement of linebacker play is going to come, is going to be from him. Still need to get more guys in there, as we've said a number of times. Still will look for a guy there, but they've got to improve the depth there because they don't have any. As far as the McLaurin one, I'd probably put it in eight. There's there's certainly motivation on both sides and desire on both sides to do it. But I'm I'm never going to go 10 on this because I've learned long ago that until it's signed, you know, there's always that chance, but I think there's a strong motivation on both sides. I think, you know, Washington, the, the key here is getting to that comp, that player comp that both sides agree. Okay. This is a good comp. I don't, for this team, I don't think it's going to be AJ Brown. What is it from a corner? Are they going to look at that? Is it DJ Moore? Is that more of a comp, player comp for them? And if so, there's a big difference in the money there. So where do you fall in there? Do you go split the difference? I think the other thing for like an AJ Brown who got 25 million, he got traded. He's also, I think, would be considered better than McLaurin. So, but I, but having said, I think Terry's value here is higher than it's going to be somewhere else because of what he means to the franchise, what he means to the fan base. You have to get this done. And I think they know that. So that's why I think there's, there's going to be a strong motivation for them to get it done. And, and just maybe you have to be a little bit more creative in how you get it done. Uh, you know, it's funny about Holcomb, you know, no one talks about he's in a contract year too. Right. I, I brought that up earlier about what, what I, I just, you know, it's but... funny. Like I, I, I'm surprised, you know, and, and especially considering what we're talking about here with McLaurin, where the price just went up or I don't know, this past off season, we were talking about middle linebackers when we played Atlanta last year, I really liked this guy Foyer Luacon. I thought he was outstanding. And I'm like, you know what? For the right deal, that could be an answer for them. Guess what he got on the open market? 15 million a year. So that like, that's not happening. And I, I would think never have paid him 15. No, but the point is, if you let somebody get to the open market, you might be surprised by what somebody else will pay them, sure. which is why right, uh, right. like Holcomb, who I think whether he's your long-term middle linebacker or not, I think he's a guy you want to build with. I don't know why you don't get ahead of that and get a deal done with him. He's a mid-round pick. He's not making much money. I think if you give him a team-friendly-ish deal that gives him some money in his pocket and gives him security, I would hope that he'd be willing to take that. And I, I'd like to see them get ahead of him. On McLaurin, I'm with you. I'm about an eight or nine. Like, Go look at the billboards of the rebrand. There's four players on it. John Allen, Chase Young, Carson Wentz now, and Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin is literally, with Chase Young, in my opinion, the faces of the franchise. Mm-hmm. And I think he knows that. And there's inherent value in all of that. And, you know, I think when the offseason started, no one expected the market to go like this at that position, but it did. And they have to deal with it. And I think they're ready to deal with it. I have not heard word one from the team that they're balking at the price. They're a little surprised by it and they've had to adjust to it. And some of the spending got changed because they have a much more expensive quarterback and now a much more expensive receiver. So I think it's going to get done. I really do. I'm not really worried about it. I'll be, you know, if next week the tone tenor or his absence changes that, then I'll start to get worried. But I haven't heard word one of he's unhappy. He doesn't want to be here. He'd like to go somewhere else. And I know for a fact that this team wants to keep him. They see him as a core core player here who hopefully is going to have a very long, great career and break records. And I know that they would like that to happen for him. So I hope he stays. I'm assuming he will. And right now, my confidence level of a deal getting done, even though it's a higher price than they would have liked, um, I think it's going to happen. I just, you know, probably sometime in the next month or two. 
Yeah, they can't afford to let him go for not financial reasons, but for they can't afford that hit. Yeah. Um, all right, last one, and this is somewhat non-football kind of football from at big John under at big underscore John underscore nineteen oh six. So for Father's Day, best spent on the grill slash smoker making your favorite meal or huh. on the couch having a meal provided for you. And then also we asked about will they check in on Landon Collins after minicamp. The last one, it's going to depend on Percy Butler, how he prog- how they feel he progresses mentally throughout the spring. Can he handle what they're, you know, how does he apply what they're learning in the classroom and takes it to the takes it to the field? That progression for him will determine whether they go back and check in on Landon Collins. But as far as the other part, I like smoking. I and my wife sometimes will say that, you know, sometimes she'll make something for me. I'm like, so like, well, why do you want to cook? It's, it's Father's Day. I'm doing what I really like to do. I mm-hmm. like to work on the smoke. I like to grill. So for me, I'd rather the ideal thing in that situation. I've got a little. I've got a TV set up in the garage. You can get like you can get the smoker going. I can have you know U.S. Open or a baseball game on the TV. Get maybe get a cigar and a little drink. I'm pretty good. That's good for me. I'd, I'd rather do that than sit on the couch. I agree. I don't, I'm not, I don't need to be catered to. I enjoy cooking. I really enjoy smoking um, a lot. Um, I have, I've talked about this on your show before. I have a Traeger, which is like a wood pellet grill. It's changed my life with like using it as a grill and a smoker. Um, and I have the offset smoker. So it's a little bit, it's a different technique. Yeah. It's not a Traeger. It's, it takes a lot more maintenance. It takes a, longer, a lot more maintenance. But, mine is, mine is very easy to deal with. It's self-maintaining. You know, it constantly siphons the wood through the cleanup is really easy. Like, so I love all of that part about it. Um, so I will, if I really get ahead of it about a week in advance, I will brine a brisket and make a smoked pastrami on this thing. Oh, that's the man. thing that I make that really comes out unbelievable. And it seems to be unique, you know, that I can make. And if I don't get ahead of it, I'll probably prep a brisket and cook that on the Traeger. And that's what I'll make. Now this year, I don't think we'll be doing that because we're actually flying to Spain on that day. So we will not be, I will not be smoking because we have to leave that day. Ordinarily, I would smoke something, whether it's a brisket or, you know, or I'd like to do the smoked beer can chicken. But I, instead of beer can, I stick the pineapple up there, um, a pineapple core. Um, and so like anything like that, but I would prefer to do the smoking ribs. I would love the ribs. Um, so anything that would be maybe like we that. should have a thing where we invite fans out to your house and you <laughs> could smoke stuff all day and we could have them out there and have a nice uh, nice meet and greet or maybe we should just have some party in a field in Virginia somewhere. Well, that would we... be my house. We're in a field in Virginia somewhere. Yeah, right. no, but that you know that that's for our elite club members and maybe there's <laughs> a fee associated with that. But yes, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. But hey, listen, we yeah. Anyway, there we go. Good way to end. Bram, awesome. Got through a lot of questions, so I hope people got a lot of insight from both of us. Thanks a lot for doing this. Yep, see ya. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Bram for joining me, and thank you for the questions and for listening. Again, I always say you have a choice, and you chose us today. I appreciate it. I'll be back with another episode Friday. Talk to you next time.